Welcome to the Education in Isolation podcast with me, Angela Connell, where we will explore the challenges of businesses moving from a face-to-face training mode to an online training environment. Many businesses have been caught off guard by the COVID-19 pandemic, but the situation is proving to be a catalyst for new possibilities and opportunities for the training industry. Let me and my guests help you make the most of these opportunities and to navigate the transition so that you and your organisation come out stronger and more resilient than when you went in. Education is the answer and you are the leader. Hi, and welcome to the Education and Isolation podcast. In today's interview, we're interviewing David Shirley, who has come from a background of working with flexible work environments. And so this is going to be a massive change of what's happened since COVID-19. So I'm really interested to hear, you know, more about you, David, and about your business. And in particular, how has this impacted on your clients as well? So let's get started. Who are you and what do you do? Thanks, Angela. It's good to be here. David Shirley, I'm a partner at an organisation called Flex We Are, and we embed and normalise flexible work arrangements with organisations. So that could be everything from their policies right through to uh, doing the training. And this is probably the part that you're most interested in is how do we do the training when we work with whether it's the, the C-suite or a team to do team protocols with them, or the management level, or the actual employees. So there's a lot of upskill to be part of this training. Um, And we've done most of it. Well, I'm going to say 100% of it prior to COVID-19. We did 100% of it face-to-face on site at the client. So this has been a huge change for us as well. Mm. Um, And being coming from that environment where it was uh, 100% face-to-face, uh, just explain how that worked in the past. So what sure. you, you were explaining that you had an office in the city, but you hardly were there. Yep. So we do have an office in the city. We still have an address in the city now. Wouldn't even call it an office anymore. We haven't been there for months and months and months. But we, we never did, you know, we did our work there. We did our emails and we had our phone calls. But uh, all of the training delivery, all of the engagement with the clients was on site at the client site. Uh, so to change from that to having an address as an office and working from home and delivering 100% online, uh, it's been a huge shift from mm. the way we used to do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what do you believe would have been your biggest challenge through this transition on you, um, your business and your clients? Yeah, looks that's a great question, Angela. And I think from... from if we look at it from the perspective of what happened at Flex We Are, uh, we're a small company, so we're quite nimble in how we were able to do that. Uh, we already had all the portable technology to do it with laptops and phones. Um, but from our client perspective, there was a huge shift in the way that worked because um, in the corporate world, for example, we have one client that has desktop machines and all of a sudden they were at home. And the real challenge with that particular client was that they were trying to do these online video calls, audio calls, but doing it through sort of a technology that wasn't working very well, Citrix-based technology. Uh, so they struggled a lot until we worked a way around how we were going to do that. Uh, so the bigger change really, besides the fact that we were going from face-to-face to online, the bigger challenge was bringing the clients along to recognise that um, that we could do this and this would be effective. We uh, A big hurdle for us was changing how we were delivering it. Uh, our sessions could have been up to three and four hours when we were doing face-to-face. And I think as, as humans, when we sit down face-to-face, you know, it's not a huge energy consumption to have a meeting or a training like that. But you take that into the online world and, uh, and three to four hours is... To, in my mind, unacceptable. It's just you can't keep your energy up. People start to fade off. It, it doesn't work. So a challenge for us was to go back and look at what we were delivering and from a time perspective, how do we change what we're going to do and cut it up and make it certainly more engaging, um, you know, that we've all sat on those Zoom calls or the Teams calls or a Skype call for an hour and just been bored out of our minds. So it's been a, 
uh, we had to go and rejig and look at what we were delivering. So what were you delivering? How, how was the training yeah, that you were so, delivering? So it was face-to-face in a room with anywhere from, you know, 12 to 40 people. And I, I think back to the technologies, if that's the word we'd use, we had, you know, we had whiteboards and PowerPoint slides, um, flip charts. They were sort of the technologies of the room. Um, we're today doing this in this online world. The technologies we use are, are quite vast. We can implement a lot of other things. Um, besides this sort of talking head with a PowerPoint slide, which in my mind is not going to cut it. And the, the fact that I think we're going to be in this mode for a, a long time, um, you know, I, I know we'll be going back to the office, but the idea of travelling to Hong Kong to do a presentation, it's not going to happen or it's not going to happen for a long time or unless you've got 15 presentations, you're not going to Hong Kong uh, to just do one. So I think... Uh, this is here to stay, this new skill we all have to develop of how to deliver online and make it engaging and work out what, you know, depending on what your content is, how long can you keep your your students engaged for, for the way you're delivering it? Um, and so what did you do? What did you implement into your training um, that was different from yeah. when, you're, so, when you're face-to-face? Yeah, so we looked at the activities that we did in the classroom and said how can we... How will they translate into an online world? We certainly, as I mentioned before, we shortened um, the time that we were, let's call it face-to-face in this online world, rather than having the, you know, the three and four-hour sessions, we brought them down to, I think the maximum we'll do now is about an hour and a half. um, And knowing that that last half an hour is much more interactive, where I think if uh, if it's more lecture-based, you know, I think a lot of people tap out around the hour mark. So we looked at where in that hour and a half will we use which activities. So all of those functions online that we've got from using polls or chat windows or, you know, if you were to be really rudimentary, simply getting people to hold up post-it notes with an answer. You know, I want you to force rank these things, one, two, three, hold it up so everybody else can see. Uh, these are the things that keep people engaged. If if you're a talking head for an hour, people, you know, it's really easy to hold your phone up and play below the camera and they can't see what you're doing. So um, many more little tricks of the trade to get people involved. I mean, we've, we've brought external applications into the training like Mentimeter so that people can vote or respond to questionnaires and see the results as it comes through live. Um, there's a lot of different ways that we're we're starting to implement this engagement way of keeping them in an online facility. Um, and how important. has it impacted on uh, with the clients? Has it uh, the way you're delivering now? Have they adjusted to that? It, and and also, where do you see this going in the future as well? Yeah, so there's certainly um, there's two parts to it uh, with this that. With the client, we used to have to, you know, it was a big time thing to try and get, as particularly if we were doing a C-suite delivery and you had to get all of the, you know, the CXOs into a room together, that's a logistical um, challenge, let's call it. It's a logistical challenge to do that. So one of the things that online has done for us has made those things really easy because we don't have to fly people around. If, you know, if, you're, if we're working with an organisation that is equally split between Sydney and Melbourne and we need to get that leadership team together, we have to wait for them to do one of their on-sites and would be sort of tacked on to one of the things they had in their schedule. Now we can say, you know, we've got an upskilling in the way we've delivered this. Can we jump online? It'll be an hour upskilling. The availability of people is, uh, is much broader. Now, the other thing we found is, of course, we're not travelling as much. So if we are working with an organisation that's got offices in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth, um, you know, you burn time travelling and you get tired from travelling. There's a fatigue that comes with it. So it seems like we've transferred our travel fatigue to this online fatigue. Uh, but as far as scheduling goes, that makes it much easier. Uh, into the future, to answer that part of the question, uh, I see this as I see it as a positive. You know, when we have change, comes opportunity, and I think the opportunity for us as an organisation has been that 
you know, when we were doing 100% face-to-face, that puts a physical limitation on who we could deliver to. Uh, now we're doing this online. You know, the world's your oyster. Is, you just pick the time zone to really the limitation. Um, so, you know, it sort of rules out doing global things at the same time. Um, and we've certainly had organisations that haven't thought too far in the future about that and said, well, why don't we get everyone? We get New York, London and Sydney online. And it's like, if you looked at the time zones for that, that just doesn't quite work. Um, but, yeah, our, uh, our horizon of who's available as a client is certainly broadened now um, because we're used to, okay, we're going to come down to Melbourne in July and this second week, can we be available? Now we don't have to worry about that. Our barriers have, have disappeared as far as that goes. So geographically, our, our clients can be everywhere and we've now got new clients from California. Um, being that I have a, a daughter at college in California, I'm trying to um, embrace those engagements. <laughs> so you can uh, wrangle a, a, a trip over there. <laughs> at some stage, we'll have to go visit, of course. We'll have to go visit, yeah. So I think the future, um, I think the future is bright with this um, from a training perspective that uh, this really lets our reach grow far and wide. Um, And from that scheduling perspective, it's much easier to find some time um, without having to burn travel and trying to organise these people who are in uh, distributed geographies. We can bring them together in the same room um, quite easily. So what has been some of the challenges and, and perhaps pushback from your clients with this yeah. transition? Well, so, you know, the, the, the easiest way to answer that question has been the adoption of technology. I know very early on when Zoom was, you know, doubling and tripling, I, I think the numbers I recently saw was um, that, you know, they had 10 million average daily users and now they've got 200 million. Uh, there were companies that said, well, when Zoom early on, had those uh, privacy and security issues, let's call it, before they uh, did some hard work on that. We had clients that said, we won't do Zoom. We can't do that. So I had to work out what the different technology was. And then I suppose the other challenge that comes up often, are we going to use my technology to do this? Are we going to use your technology to do this? And if we're using your technology, what is it? And am I familiar with driving that? And of all of these things I like to bring into making it a more engaging uh, session online, can I use all those with your technology? Uh, So if we look at Microsoft, I mean, the the most common would be Zoom. That seems to have won, won this battle at the moment followed pretty closely by Teams, and then we're seeing WebEx, and and there's a whole host. I I just put a post out quite recently asking, as a result of COVID, what are we all using more of? And there is a plethora of different products out there that companies are using. Um, I've used most of them now because our clients require us to use theirs most of the time. So that becomes a challenge at our end. Of uh, It hasn't happened yet. We've got one client we're working with that, um, we haven't run a session, but they use a product called Blue Jeans that I'd never even heard of it. Um, so for me to run a session that's going to be engaging and, and accurate for them, I need to know what are the capabilities of that platform and which little tricks and tools can I plug into that to make the session much more worthwhile. So that's been the big challenge, I think. It's been IT departments having to open up the access to this and saying, wow, we didn't used to let people even take our technology home from a privacy or a security aspect, and now we're asking them to work from home full-time. That was the, the quick hurdle. I think we're all over that hurdle now. Um, and so as I think we look to the future, it's, you know, what's the best tool for the job now uh, in rolling out this? So we're now in transition, so um, recovery, they call it, and returning back to our offices. uh, But then you've also noticed that there's a big shift here with this return. Yeah. And what was that? Yeah. So the shift I'm seeing is as we transition, I know a lot of people have been saying we're, we're transitioning back to work and I hope that we've all been working and we're simply transitioning back to the office. We've got clients at each end of the spectrum. We've got some that are saying we're never going back to the office and we're going to close our office down. And we've got others that are saying we need people back urgently and quickly because of the type of businesses that they're running. I think what what will forever change for us here in how we deliver this 
And we sort of got, I can remember last year we got caught out a few times where we were doing some work with New South Wales government or one of their departments and we turned up to deliver a session as we'd done previously and we walked in and, you know, there was the 14 or 20 people in the room and they said, and we've got 30 people on the phone. And we're like, okay, so our intention today was to use a slide deck, to use flip charts, to use a whiteboard, and here we've got people online on the phone, not online, can't on see phone all this. call, yeah. can't see any of it. They, they can't read our body language. They can't see what we're drawing. They can't see the slide deck we've prepared. Now, if we think of what this is going to look like in the future, I can't imagine any meeting, let alone a training session, that will happen with people in the room and not also with people online. There's going to be this big mix of how we do it. Um, and so I think that's probably the new challenge coming today is how do you equally engage someone online at the same time as we have people in the room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so have you identified, so have you identified that as a hurdle? Are you still in the process of working out? Because I suppose it's, it's not yeah. until we are actually facing it. I definitely still consider that a hurdle and, and not just for um, me and my team of how we can work out how to do it, but also the hurdle for the popular, the general pop business population of how they're going to get used to this and transition to this new way of doing it and making sure we're acknowledging those people that are on the line. I uh, Something that hit me during this, I, I was watching one of those Netflix series and it was the formula one drive to survive and uh although i've been a fan of of cars and racing in the past i really haven't watched any of that recently so it was a great way to catch up and get re-engaged but it was much more about the drama of it but there was one particular um scene that surprised me and really made me think about what will this look like from the corporate world of people in the room and people online is is when the drivers and the technicians and the mechanics and the pit board people got together after a, you know, a, a test session or a qualifying session, they all sat in the same room with computers and they all had headphones on and that's how they communicated. It wasn't that, okay, we're all in a room, we can drop the headphones. It was very much let's, let's work and prepare as if it's going to be in the race. And it made me think, well, what happens when... We have five people in the room and five people online. What will we do? Will we have the people in the room also use the same tools that those that are online are going to use? Because um, it's not fair when, when we have those people in the room and they can look at each other and give that little sign and nod and people online have no idea that someone's nodding to that. Um, we've got to make sure that that full communication spectrum is available to everyone and not just within the room but those in the room to the people online and i i see that as being the hurdle that uh the general corporate population has got to learn how to do this yeah and it's not just corporate because we've actually seen it with um the transition for the registered training organizations as mm -hmm. well because uh particularly in this uh transition period where uh, there were students who were quite happy to come back and then there are others who might have had low immune systems or were just concerned about um, it, that we're not over all of this yet. So they wanted to stay at home. So we've had a number of our clients having to adjust to that. And at the moment, it's just one camera in the corner that's just, you know, directed at the front. But I can see exactly what you mean. And in, in my head, I'm thinking, are we going to need like a camera in front of each person so that they can see each other interacting as well? Yep. From what you were saying just then, I, I can totally understand, yeah, you lose all that in engagement when um, they're not able to interact with each other. So it'd be interesting to see what technology comes out of this moving into the future because I know there's like cameras you can get that will sit on a desk and can rotate around those 360s and can look around the room yeah exactly yeah. i think there's going to be a huge change to that and uh look we've put together a product that really came um from a client demand rather than us sitting in a room and thinking how to do this and we call it win the virtual room um so they're real meetings everyone's called these virtual meetings it's not a virtual meeting it's a very real meeting because you know business has got to continue and decisions will be made so mm -hmm. a very real meeting in a virtual room 
And so when we come to all the different ways that we can be engaging or be different, you know, I just think if we just, here's my webcam and here's my headphones, hopefully rather than talking at the computer, um, we want to be able to sound as good as we can. We want to look as good as we can. We want our presentation to be as engaging as possible. And there's a, I found this gap between, and I don't think these worlds, in my world of where our clients are all corporate, these two worlds that I don't think ever would have met previously. But if we look at what goes on in the online gaming community or YouTubers and the way they put together their live presentations and the tools that they're using and then what corporate uses, there are always two worlds I thought would never collide, but here we are with tools like Ecamm Live or OBS where there are these software studios where we can't, cameras and different types of microphones and, um, and, and you, know, you, you go look at uh, what these virtual racing guys are doing when they go online they've got multiple cameras they've got you know a, a camera pointed at their feet so you can see what's happening with their pedals when they're driving another camera on learning and then part of the screen is the actual game they're racing in um, you know they've got the headphones on and they're talking uh, and some of them even another camera of their hand that's shifting the gear so you can really see what they're doing. Now, that is so much more interesting than I, I can see the game you're playing and I can hear you talking about it, but now I can see you changing gears. I can see where you're breaking for that corner. Um, that world, bringing it to, into the corporate world is, yeah, I, I want to have more things. I, I want to be able to see you draw on the whiteboard. Uh, that was something we had in the classroom or we had in the real room, but now in the virtual room, we have to have a find a way that uh, that we have that communication come across. You know, we know that there's visual learners and audio learners and let me do it learners. We need to, to cater to all of them when we make it a rich, much richer delivery. So... Um, I suppose it's still watch this space because I think there's still going to be a lot of stuff that's going to be developed out of all of this. Yep. Um, and, the, and you know, hearing you talk about how your market has really opened up, you're not restricted to just Australia, you've got clients overseas and then um, you were doing that before but now they were wanting to bring all of these different countries, people from different countries into one training room which they would not have been able to do before. Yeah, never would have thought about it. Yeah, no, no. yeah, yeah. So I think um, that on the flip side is going to be very good for team members, for companies in different countries where they're going to get to know each other. And then you've got the the big side of cultural differences and adjusting to those um, cultural differences in those different countries coming into the same training room as well. Absolutely. And that's where we need to have that full range of communication. You know, if you think back to, imagine this, imagine a, uh, a conference phone call where you were disseminating some piece of information. And on the call, we had the, the full range of someone with a, a Scottish accent and someone with a Japanese accent and a Korean accent and, a, you know, a, a West Australian country accent and had them all trying to understand each other it's not enough. So now we need to bring in, you know, the non-verbal communication. We need to be able to see people and, and watch their eyebrows go up and down. There's a, a huge piece of communication that's missed when it's just that audio or just an email. Or uh, So we do want to make sure that's all brought in. Banjit, let me just go back and tell you one of the other hurdles, which I think, and this is from my client base, so I think we're going to see, is the, uh, these technologies that we're asking our clients, our corporate clients, and organisations to use, there's, a, there's going to be a huge jump from what the IT departments are currently allowing on these machines. You know, the, there are many of our clients, they're USBs a lot. They can't put in a drive because they're worried about corporate secrets disappearing from the laptop. Well, I don't want to plug a drive in to steal the corporate secrets. I want to plug a, uh, a really good camera in or a much better microphone in and so there's going to be a bit of ebb and flow and, and challenge between that person in, in marketing or sales that wants to, you know, really put their best foot forward in how they're delivering versus the IT department saying, you yeah, know, we're a little worried about our, our privacy and our secrecy of, 
locking down our equipment. So that's the challenge. That's certainly one of the big challenges that I think we're going to see um, coming in this. Well, I, I can even tell you what's happening now. Um, and at the moment with this enforced reactive lockdown, I think a lot of IT departments were told, you need to relax on your policies and let us do our work, um, open up the things that we need to get that work done. So, yeah, challenges ahead, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I know um, there's been quite a few changes with Office 365 as well, and they've been changing their security settings and things like that. So I, I think it, there's a lot of um, technology trying to catch up with you know, this trend that where people are working from home now. So, um, yeah, so I think it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this and how we're actually going to uh, do this. So what out of all of this, what has been your biggest achievement? Well, it's huge. We've gone from 100% in the classroom or in the room, the real room, to 100% um, and transitioning all of our offerings and service offerings and products to go that way um, and, and bringing your clients along on that ride. That, that's that's got to be the, the dance with this, that we've got to do this slowly and you've got to bring them with you. It can't just be, well, we don't do that anymore and this is what we do do and they can't see the, the connection between those two worlds. Uh, so, yeah, definitely very proud of how we've uh, transitioned to a, a 100% online. So with the changes that you've made, what do you see will stay? Uh, definitely this online will, will stay. I think take it a step further and because people are now used to seeing David Shirley on a screen, whether it was live, uh, they won't be too unhappy to see a recorded David Shirley on their screen either. So I think the thickening up of offerings that will occur uh, I think there's a lot of training organisations out there that, you know, I deliver face-to-face and that's what I do. Um, I think those days are gone. I think it's you'll deliver face-to-face sometimes. You'll deliver online a lot and we'll have some recorded information. So I, I look at that as a really positive way of thickening out offerings to clients so that, the you know, live's not always the best way. And as we know, a lot of these things we're able to record the actual session or we can also stream it to Facebook or we can stream it to YouTube and people can watch these things later. So this sort of richness in uh, where, when and how I can access this information is going to continue. So I think it's going to be really important in the future that training organisations, you know, upskill themselves and making sure their lighting is good, making sure their audio is good. You know, we all know there's nothing worse than the knowing that there's great content being delivered and I can't hear them. That's certainly the first thing where we fall down. If I can't hear you, I'll fade away quickly. So we need good microphones. We want to sound good. Uh, of course, we need stable internet for all that to work. And then, you know, how you can keep going. Good cameras, good lighting, um, good backdrops. You know, if I think about all the different ways, I, I tried to do this analogy if you think about all the different ways you socially interact with people, so some people you will go for a walk on the beach with, some people you'll have breakfast at a cafe, some people you go out to dinner, go out to lunch, you'll go to a pub, have a drink, might go to a movie with. If we bring that into our working world and think, how will I meet with that person and what will that experience look like for them? If our only offering is, Here's my webcam and I don't even have a headset. I'm just sort of talking to the computer and hope that audio is good enough. If that's your only offering to all of the different interactions we have with business people, I mean, think of the difference between I'm catching up with an old colleague or I'm having an internal meeting versus I'm pitching for some new business. You know, the background in my room becomes important. Do we know, Do I have a virtual background or do I curate um, a bookshelf and the awards that our company's won, you know, that would be really important if we're pitching for new business, not so important for a team meeting. So I think if we do the, if we go back to what the richness of available options that we had to meet with people prior to COVID, and now a lot of this is in the online world, well, let's bring the, that richness of offerings to the online world and including not live, including recorded um, especially if we've now broadened our addressable market to 
international consider and uh and live's not always a solution there Mm, yeah, definitely. And I think a combination of, as you said, uh, recorded content with your online, you know, live content. Uh, and, and one thing that you brought up there was about the amount of content you can now provide, which because you're able to do the recorded content, you can come up with other uh, ways of delivery and, and other content that you could then use where where in the past you would have been limited by time because yep, you're delivering it yeah, face-to-face. And that's something that I highly recommend for all training organisations is have the recorded content, particularly uh, the things that you're delivering the same over and over and over again where it might be the theory behind something or it might be a structure that you're going through. And then when you're with the clients, there's more of that, okay, getting them engaged and actually getting the content to sync and make sense with what, uh, how they apply it within their workplace or how they would use that, that skill or knowledge. So it's making those adjustments in the live. Um, yeah. But I think it's definitely the way uh, forward with uh, training. So, yeah, very, very good insights there. And great achievements as well to be able to uh, fully transition across uh, to – and did you lose any clients? Did, or is it – Look, there's some that slowed down. I don't think from, I don't think we had our clients slow down from that we transitioned from in face to face to online. I think there's probably other reasons that the clients slowed down, particularly up until the end of the financial year. Uh, I I more look at the other way and say our, our market expanded. Mm. Um, we're able to address that, that addressable market became bigger. Mm. Mm. And I suppose it's also taking advantage of that uh, to be able to expand out and identifying those opportunities. So what were the opportunities that you identified throughout this process that um, you, you're looking at forward, looking forward planning, so six to 12 months' time? What is it that you're going to change and, and, and I, well, will you go back? <laughs> Look, I, um, we're, we're all human, and I think we love the face-to-face. I think a lot of us have, have missed that. I'm I'm an extrovert in that respect, and so I get a lot of my energy from being around people. Uh, so I've certainly missed that, and we'll look forward to that face-to-face engagement again. I think there's no better cut-through of communication than being face-to-face and getting the, all the cues and, and communication. Um, so from a a sales and business pitching environment. Uh, that's what I'm really looking forward to face-to-face. From a delivery perspective um, and having that broader network, that broader environment or sales opportunity, I'm loving that we've got this online. So I'm definitely hoping for a bit of both. Um, you know, and if I think, you know, I know you said six to 12 months, but if I think of six to 12 years with this, mm. um, and my children are getting older. I've got one doing the H- I've got my last one doing the HSC, so just finishing school now. And I think, well, where might I live if if I'm stuck face to face with my clients? Then that's a very short leash. If uh, if more of my work is online and recorded, well, I could live anywhere from Paris, New York, Byron Bay, and deliver away wherever I am. So I quite love love that idea of what flexibility brings to the um, and do the right pieces of work at the right time with the right client with whatever they're doing. So to me, this is just another tool that's in our toolbox and the, and our clients have come to know that this is how it's going to be. Um, I'm not seeing it changing. I, I really don't. I think the business travel and we've got corporate clients. That's, that, that's our target market. Uh, you know, the idea of someone jumping on a plane for a meeting in Hong Kong is, is a long gone. So... How are we going to have those meetings and successful meetings in that online world where there are some people in the room here, there are some people online? I think uh, that's what that future lies for me. So I, I'm quite excited about it. Um, and if we've got those knobs that we can twist and turn of how much face-to-face and how much online, um, I think we can end up with a much better offering rather than it's all one or the other. So 
Um, when you think about, you know, flexible workplaces and, and the fact that we're now had to adjust with uh, COVID-19 and working from home, what do you see, do you think, like for me and listening to you, it's like we've finally found that work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, when we talk about the we work with organisations to create that future-ready workforce, we mustn't forget that there is a future-ready workplace and what are they going to look like? Um, you know, we, we, whenever we work with organisations about work arrangements, you know, the CFO gets quite excited because they start looking at how they can shrink their footprint and uh, save some money on, on their leases or on their properties. Um, but then we've had COVID that sort of said, no, we naturally need to expand that now because we need this physical dis- distancing in the office. So there's those two uh, competing ideas at the moment. I think what also will change will be uh, the way in which we use our offices, uh, that we will much will be much more likely to have these different spaces to do the different pieces of work. Um, I now envisage studios in the office where there is great lighting and great microphones and great cameras um, with, a, with a beautiful background that, you know, the sales guy can go and sit in that room that's nice and quiet and there's no dogs barking or children crying or, you know, this is a big deal. I'm going to get this deal over the line. I need this best foot forward. So I can see organisations putting those sort of rooms in and you walk in with your laptop, you plug it all in and, uh, and pitch away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then oh, I did, there is so many opportunities with that. And that's somewhere where we were looking at going was that sort of studio uh, set up as well within the office space. Uh, I was already looking at how we could deliver more and more training online. Um, but, yeah, it's just going to have a massive impact with a lot of workplaces. And for me personally, I know their uh, work-life balance, there certainly is a lot more. I'm not travelling around like I used to. Um, I was travelling interstate uh, quite regularly as well. So, um, and we've canned all of that for the rest of this year and it's all worked really well. What's been the best part is everyone has adjusted um, to this as well. Yeah. Yeah, whereas they pushed back before. I will say, Angela, this has been a, uh, we've had to adjust because we were forced to. I think mm. the big change for us and the work we're doing when we talk about flexible work arrangements is that how will it work when it's a choice, whether it's a choice to work from home rather than I have to work from home. We've always said there's, there's five stakeholders this has got to work for. It's got to, clearly, it's got to work for the individual. It's got to work for their manager. It's got to work for their team. It's got to work for the organisation. And then the fifth one everyone forgets is it's got to work for the customer in how we put these flexible work arrangements together. But really, we've got a couple more now. Now it's got to work for the family. You know, we're, you know, our, our company seconded our home space to be part of the office. So we do have to sit down. And, and I know I've certainly did this during the real thick of work from home. And we'd have a chat at dinner the night before. What's everyone got on tomorrow? Well, I've got a meeting at 10. I need it to be really quiet. Okay, well, David, you're in the basement and, you know, Saskia, you've got to do a study and you're online with the professor talking about when do you need the quiet time. The basement was terrible for phone calls, so that could be done in the bedroom. You know, so all of a sudden we're sort of working in this flexible office space that's called our home. Um, and so now we have to bring the family or whoever it is, ever it is that we work with. And that's just from a, where's the best place and time to do this work uh, imagine a client where, you know, they've got some these these new graduates in their 20s that have come out and they're working for a bank and this guy's online talking about this stuff they're going to do to then find out that he his housemate works for a competing company and maybe could hear all of that. So um, we do have to be concerned about where, when and how and all the different people that are involved in in helping us decide where, when and how is the best time to do which piece of work. Mm. So the training you deliver, uh, tell me a bit more about that. What, what is it that you're teaching? So this was all, all flexible work arrangements and how to get the best out of um, our, our employee base. And if you picture, which I think is one end of the spectrum, is David, come to work, welcome to our organisation. 
uh, here's your desk and you can do your job from nine to five or eight to six, five days a week at that desk. It's like, that, you know, the, these graduates that are coming out are going to think, did I, am I in trouble? Did I? It's a different way of learning. And if you think of um, all the different chunks there are in your role and where, when is the best place to do that, that's what we're working with organisations to help them work out. And then how to come up with those team protocols that support out of your employees at the right time. Um, I mean, the simple example, so I do business development and I deliver material and I develop material. So if I look at Tuesday morning and Tuesday evening and say, well, which is the best use of that time? Do sales development on a Tuesday evening is a really poor use of my time because people aren't going to want to talk to you. Uh, and developing course material on a Tuesday morning where it's the best time to be doing those sales development calls, that's what we're trying to have people do. And then it's, well, where is the best place? Is it in the office, in a collaborative zone? Is Do you need to do that piece of work in a very quiet place? Um, what does that look like? So that's the other end of nine to five at one desk is, will you tell me where's the best place for you to do that piece of work? You've got to write a report or mark up a report. Well, clearly you need a quiet place to do that. Um, you're doing some collaboration, putting some budgets together. Well, you need a meeting room with other people to do that. Um, is it particularly private that what you're doing? Okay, well, we need a meeting room that we can close the blinds. All of these different ways. And, it, and if we can get that right, productivity goes up, health and wellness improves, operating costs go down, um, you know, our employees are happier. Uh, I talked about those five stakeholders before and then the sixth one, which is really family. And then I think of the, the two others that bonus from us getting this right. And that's the environment and society. And you mentioned it earlier, how much time we used to spend on public transport or commuting to work and that time's being given back to us. Well, it's not just the time that's being given back to us. We've also the environment. You know, I, I know there's pictures around the world where they've taken pictures of cities that don't have the pollution. So our carbon footprints have got better as a result of this. So if we can think of all of those elements and stakeholders, including the environment as a stakeholder, and say, when is the best time and place to do these pieces of work uh, that makes sense for me as a human and my... That's what we're, that's what we're driving towards. So one thing that um, hearing all of that, that I really envisage is that your training now would have changed the content that you're delivering. Has there been adjustments that you need to make now to the training that you're delivering to these corporates? Yep, certainly has. So uh, the biggest piece was, you know, that manager that um, I don't want to call them old and crusty because I'm getting towards being old and crusty, but that manager that said, you know, I've done my job for 30 years and I didn't need to ever work from home and why are these graduates asking for all this um, and my, won't work for the role types in my team? Well, all of a sudden with this enforced reactive work from home, everyone's found out, oh, oh wow, my team didn't fall apart and actually some of them are more productive and they're not burned out from all the travel time sitting in peak hour. I know I read an article somewhere saying, you know, is work from home going to kill our society uh, and, and mentioned things like, you know, the, the barista and chatting to the barista. It's like, well, so everyone's still getting a coffee. They're just getting it from their local barista. And uh, what about public transport, all that interaction on public transport? I thought, well, that often on public transport, you get on a bus or a train, everyone's got their face and their phone, so there's not a lot of interaction going on there. Um, so... Yes, I definitely had to change the way we put our material together because people are at home and the, the environment changed a lot. So rather than it being, okay, everyone's in the office, try and find a piece that makes the most sense. So if an employee said, um, David, I want to work from home on Wednesday, uh, and we say, well, what are you going to do? The, the dialogue was, would well, you tell me what you're going to do? Have a think about what makes the home well it's completely changed everyone's at home now so now it's like well when's the best time for you to have that team meeting and what platform should we have it on or 
this meeting's with a brand new client. What are we going to do? How are we going to arrange that? So um, being that, and, and now we're in that transition phase back to the office. So again, it's changing again. How, what does transition look like? And sadly, as we know in Victoria, we've had the numbers bump up a bit recently. If and when it happens that this spikes, what does the retreat look like? Because we've got to have business continuity. You know, the business world will continue to go on and we need to make sure that the tools we're putting in place and the way we work with each other continue. And as that changes, Angela, our material changes of what we're delivering um, I see. Yeah, I see. Um, also, you know, with registered training organisations, the content's going to change, and the way we're delivering it, um, the training packages will change because there's going to be a lot of uh, changes with so many industries. Uh, like I know uh, one of the big areas that uh, qualifications training packages is business the business training package, they now need to incorporate more of working remotely and these flexible work environments as well and, and how to adjust that and how do you lead and manage a um, remote uh, work environment. So yeah. I, I could see that being massive. And the other big thing is uh, where we've worked out that this works so we can work from home but also the opportunities for me I know I've identified this I'm not restricted now with who I hire from where yeah yeah, yeah. whereas we were very much and particularly where um, Vivacity was originally we were up in Newcastle so we didn't have anybody who wanted to go to Newcastle um, or not very many that you had to try and resource from within Newcastle, which was very difficult. So uh, I'm now in Sydney, but um, but now we can see, like, I could hire someone from Melbourne or Brisbane or, you know, country, yeah. someone who's living in the country who doesn't want to move to a big city. So, and I think there's so much talent out there as well that we can now tap into because we're not restricted to yeah. a city. Wouldn't it be nice if this, uh, of what we've learnt this year, I mean, I hope we have some big learnings from all of these, but wouldn't it be nice if one of the big learnings is we can do our job from many different places. Mm -hmm. So that idea of, of all of this talent coming to the big cities um, and our country areas being depleted of that talent, we can mm -hmm. start moving back out um, and all sharing that fresh air. Yeah, yeah. And, and you even think about, you know, Tasmania where they lose a lot of their youth who move away from Tasmania because of uh, lack of employment and, and job opportunities, whereas now they can stay in Tasmania. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll have a lot of these country towns be much more sustainable. Uh, yeah. you, you mentioned something about your RTOs and the content they're putting together. The, the advice I could throw out there is, is with that content, it is going to change and be ready to change it quickly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, prolific over perfect. Don't sit there and nut out the perfect amount of content. It's going to have to come out quickly. Things things are changing. And uh, I said it earlier, with change comes opportunity and uh, there's markets begging for, for all different types of engagement here. And the most important part is actually ask the industry, ask the mm. employers, ask the community, what do they want? How do they need the training to be adjusted? What is it, what is the skills that they need their team, you know, when they're hiring a new team member, what are the skills that they need? Because those skills are going to change now uh, and how we actually operate. So uh, industry consultation is a big area that I, um, right now is really important that we mm. are actually asking industry, well, what do you need? How do we need to adjust our training to meet your needs? To meet that, yeah. 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 With, a, with a little healthy dose of um, we've thought about delivering it this way that you may not have thought of. I, I love that the yeah. line of if you asked Henry Ford, uh, what to ask his customers, what do they need? And they all would have said, well, we need faster horses. Um, <laughs> so so if we just rely on asking our, our clients we do need that industry consultation as you said but um if we have good ideas in the way to deliver this that's let's, right let's take it to them and that's suggest right. the way yeah and here's some ideas that we've thought of and these are some of the challenges that we've identified that we can solve what do you think 
and getting feedback from them on that. Yeah, that very important point, that one, because I think sometimes we go out and do our industry consultation and just ask them and and more often than not, they have no idea. Um, They're just as stuck. (laughs) So they need those um, ideas on, on how to move forward. Okay, last question. How do you keep motivated every day? Well, there's been a huge change. I mean, if you look, if you come really right back to it, keeping motivated is you wake up and see your family every day that needs to be provided for. So that's always a pretty good motivation. Um, but rather than what motivates me, it's what more excites me at the moment. Um, and it's the way this is changing. And, I, and I've, I've had a huge, very long background in technology and then teaching technology. So I found myself in a, in a sweet spot again where technologies become really important if uh if we didn't have the tech currently got at our fingertips this work from home would have doomed it would have been such a huge failure so i congratulate all those technologists in the world that's provided us with these tools the hardware and the software to enable all of this uh so i'm excited by what's coming and the way we can change this um and, and make it more accessible to people. Uh, you know, I think of your the RTOs you're talking to out there that are delivering all this, this great content. It's all of a sudden available online to a great range of Much people broader. that that couldn't have turned up physically to learn how to do things. So I, I think when, uh, you know, we hear Morrison talking about this huge skills uh, shortage we've got to address, well, you know, this is the we are the people that are addressing that. And if we can do it, leveraging technology to get a greater um, attendance of the of this training, then, you know, happy days. This is a, a good result. Mm-hmm. I, I have this, a, a very similar sort of outlook where I think the future is bright. I think uh, COVID has forced us to make changes uh, to the way it, it, we deliver training, the way we work. And I think uh, it's just fast-tracked what we needed to do, what we, how we needed to move um, in our training. Great um, example there, Angela. Great yes, example. Yes, I know, working, working from, home. from home with uh, yeah, dogs in I, the background. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, thank you very much for attending our podcast today. It's been awesome having a chat to you and, and we could certainly uh, – take a lot more i could de- definitely chat a lot longer <laughs> about <laughs> another, um, time, another, another time. time another but time thank you very much for having me up thoroughly enjoy having time to have a chat awesome and till next time you've been listening to the education in isolation podcast with me angela connell if you'd like access to the show notes and other resources to find subscription options you can find us at educationinisolation.com. The Education in Isolation podcast is proud to be part of the Experts on Air podcast network.